0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Donnie, and uh, what I prepared to say dovetails in pretty closely, actually, with the big idea, so thank you so much and welcome. Good to have you with us today. Um, Jax and I got back on Sunday afternoon from leave, so uh, we've had a great rest and it was just awesome. I was having my devotions, just feeling so much on the Word of God, but didn't feel anything related to church or vision for the future just, uh, for coming back. Somebody said to me on Monday, you must be so pumped with vision for the second half. And well, there was nothing direct that I felt God showed me. But on, I think it was last week, Friday, just as I woke up, I was thinking, Father, is there any, any word that you do have as we gear up to go back into um, Back home again and back into the second half. And in my reading that morning was 2 Chronicles 15 and verse 7. And this verse just ministered to me. It says, but as for you, be strong. and Do not give up for your work will be rewarded. This comes uh, in the story of King Asa and I'd like to stor- uh, like to speak a little bit around the story. It's told over three chapters in the book of Chronicles. This uh, King, his King Asa was the great-great-grandson of King David. So when David, Solomon, Rehoboam, Abijah, and then Asa, and and, uh, Chronicles records that he was a righteous king who who followed God. The sad reality was that the constant story of the people of God was a story of a tug of war between following God wholeheartedly and idolatry. And the idolatry had taken root, uh, particularly during the time of King Solomon. And so King Asa and now that he becomes the leader and the king the bible tells us in 2 chronicles 14 verse 2 it says Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the lord his god it says in verse 3 he removed the foreign altars and the high places and in verse 4 he commanded judah that was the nation he led he commanded judah to seek the lord and the kingdom was at peace under him so that's a pretty good bio to describe a king of uh, a king's rulership they took down idols, high places, commanded people to follow God. Um, A few years into his reign, the nation gets attacked by the Kushite army uh, from the Egypt area and so these guys come up from the south and they get pretty far and it's a huge army and it says Asa goes out to meet these guys to fight against them but the whole way through it emphasizes how much dependence he's got on God. In verse 11 it says then Asa called to the Lord his God and said help us Lord our God for we rely on you and in your name we have come against this vast army. And then in verse 12, it says, the Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled. Asa and his army pursued them. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. You can see Donnie and I didn't uh, discuss what we were going to, well, I knew that he was talking about spiritual warfare, but this dovetailed in this idea of victory and battle. And as Asa's returning from this huge battle, it must have been such a relief to have this victory that come with lots of plunder. In 2 Chronicles 15, a prophet named Azariah goes out to speak to Asa. And uh, the prophecy that he gives him is about seven verses long. And it's a beautiful uh, prophetic word. But at the end, the final thing he says to, uh, to Asa is this. But as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. It says when Asa heard these words, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. It's this beautiful story of a a king who was leading and doing a lot and then gets the strong prophetic encouragement to keep going and to not give up. The the words be strong and do not give up are the words that firstly I like to highlight and and, uh, focus in on. What Asa had been doing up till that point effectively was three things. He had been leading, he had been reforming, and he had been fighting battles. That pretty much sums up church leadership. Leading, reforming, and fighting battles. Hopefully fighting the right kind of battles as as Donnie outlined. But each of these things requires a lot of energy. The work we're doing is not just important, it's Absolutely critical. It's not just a matter of life and death. It's a matter of eternal life and eternal death. We are leading. We are reforming. And when I use the word reforming, I'm using it in the Bible sense, is that idolatry continues to flourish all throughout the earth in the human heart. And the message of the gospel comes against idolatry. Our message in effect, whether you say it with a broad smile and very gently, or whether you thunder it, is the gospel of Jesus Christ has come to tear down the idols in our lives. And the work of reforming requires energy. I was uh, thinking of some of the conversations I've had over the last little while with uh, couples in our church who have been living together but not yet married. Every one of those conversations requires a whole lot of energy. I don't necessarily look forward to having them just because it's sometimes awkward, but boy, am I so chuffed to have them because it's the gospel coming into the idols that people have. I do my best in terms of sharing what we, what we share. But the response is sometimes so different. I'm thinking of the one guy who got up, we're sitting at one of the tables here. He was so livid, spitting mad angry. His face went red. He stood up, he said, it's only the fact that I'm in a church building that stops me from punching you in the face right now. And he stormed out. Reforming uses energy. And then on other occasions, you have amazing responses. Uh, uh, Same message, same person, same building. But we had a a conversation with another couple recently. And both of them would, it was just an instant, if that's what God wants of us, if that's what the Bible says we want to do from today, we're going to make changes. What do we need to do going forward? It still requires energy because these are the idols that hang around in our cultures and in in people's hearts. And, And fighting battles requires energy. And it's an amazing thing to me. It's a beautiful thing. That after Asa's been doing this for about 10 years, leading, reforming, and then fighting, in this case, a huge battle against this huge army. It's after all of that, that he sends a prophet to say to him, Azariah comes with this great message. Asa, you be strong. Do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. It was such a, uh, I'm sharing something, it was a personal word for me. As as that verse, it felt like it jumped off the page. My eyes just filled up with tears. Just felt the Holy Spirit saying it in my heart, Steve, be strong. Don't give up. The work you're doing will be rewarded. It's the word of the Lord to me and hope it's the word of the Lord to you. Every one of us has got a slightly different story, but imagine yourself coming back from whatever battle you're fighting, whatever reforms you're currently doing, whatever leadership you're involved in and the prophetic word of God to us is, but as for you, be strong. Don't give up. Your work will be rewarded. Many of you, or some of you will uh, know our little girl, Trinity. She's 10 years old. She joined our family four years ago. And possibly when you meet her or interact with her, two words that you wouldn't associate with her are strength and courage. She's, physically, she's diminutive. She's, she, she's tiny. She's got these huge brothers who just are so great with her, but uh, she will sometimes freak out at the tiniest little bug, often something invisible. And it's been a beautiful journey watching her over the last four years because obviously Jackson and I, there's been lots of hard work involved, but it's like she, she's undergone a process of transformation in her mind just by being part of our family. The boys, they naturally, physically strong. And that strength tends to ooze out. And uh, there's, there's been some really great specialists that have been working together with us in all of this. But the amazing thing about her is that her brain has started to rewire with thoughts of strength and courage. Every now and then, she's doing something that for her is scary. But you will hear, if you just, she's busy doing it, you'll hear her talking to herself out loud. You can do it, Trinity. You've got this, just keep going. Those weren't words she started out with. It's words that she's heard from the outside. It's been a, a community of people just giving her those words. Sometimes we have doubted whether she has the strength and courage to do some of these things. But like, this is the right thing to say. But that the, the, the brain starts to rewire. And she is now saying to herself, you can do this even though you think you can't. you have brave enough. You've got the courage. And she has a little meltdown, then self-talk again. And off she goes on and on and on. As the voice of the Father wants to constantly speak to us, rewire our brains. The thing on the mind is so beautiful because God wants to rewire our brains and our heart to those the different trigger things is do not give up. Be strong. Have courage. Your work will be rewarded. One of the uh, sports that I follow only in July is uh, cycling, the Tour de France. And often often watch Tour de France because I'm on um, holiday at that time, but Netflix have just put out a a documentary, eight-part documentary on last year's tour, which we watched just ahead of this year's tour, and what was really interesting is you got a bit of a behind-the-scenes look, and uh, the Tour de France is a horrendously difficult sporting event. There's, I think, 21 stages, the riders ride three and a half thousand kilometers over some of the biggest mountains in the world and they ride in teams but every team has got um, earphones every rider has got earpieces in, and they can talk back to the car and behind the peloton each team has got a team car with a race director and, and what this documentary showed so beautifully is that the race director is very often a previous athlete strongly competitive guys but these are the guys, these are the the leaders of the whole organization. They're sitting in the car, they're not on the bike. And you've got guys sweating it out on the road. I mean, it is challenging stuff. But when one of their guys gets out in front and is making a burst and you don't get too many opportunities to do this, you'll hear the voice of the race director now they've got cameras on this guy. You go for it. You do it. You've got this. You show them why you're the best in the world over and over again. And I was thinking of this Azariah's word to Asa it's like uh, God wants to wire his voice into our head that there's this voice in our heart is you've got this be strong don't give up your work will be rewarded the interesting thing to me about this this word that Azariah gives be strong is that be strong is something I choose be strong if it's put as a command it has to be something I choose uh Strength is often sometimes we feel. And there's some days I wake up, I feel strong. Other days I feel a whole lot weaker. I don't know if I'm on the only one like that. But Azariah doesn't say to him, when you feel strong, then keep doing the work. He says to him, be strong. In other words, strength is something, Asa, that you need to choose, you need to, to put on. It's interesting to me how over and over in the Bible, this idea of be strong is put out. One of the most famous places is to Joshua, at the start of all of this, before all this inheritance takes place, God's word comes to him over and over again. Joshua, be strong and courageous. You've got to choose that. Interestingly, when Jesus is walking across the lake, you know the story where it ends up with Peter walking on the water, that um, story at the Sea of Galilee. Um, When they're so afraid, when they think it's a ghost walking on the water, Jesus' words to them is, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. It's a very interesting thing that courage is something that I can take. It's something that I can choose. I don't think it's, it's necessarily like psyching myself up. But I get courage when I look at Christ. But I also get courage when I look at other people around me with faith and courage. The interesting thing to me about fear, both fear and courage, is both of them are pretty contagious. You people who are genuinely scared, that triggers, it's contagious, that emotion travels. Equally, when there's courage, that emotion travels. In the story of Gideon, um, there's this huge Midianite army and Gideon gathers as many people as he can. He ends up with 32,000 soldiers, which is not nearly enough. And God says to him, just tell your army, Gideon, if they're scared, they must go home. 22,000 people take up that offer. If you're scared, you can go home. I mean, it must have, Gideon's heart must have sunk, A, that there were so many scared people, but B, that his army got reduced. But I think that one of the reasons that God said that is because fear is contagious. I'm told that in World War I, Army, the armies on both sides, it was, all, it was all that trench warfare and it was horrific. There were millions of casualties needlessly. But essentially, a lot of the ground was taken by you'd send your army out of the trenches over into machine gun fire and it wasn't pleasant. And so you had lots of people deserting. And so they'd put guys in their own trenches and told them anyone who comes this way, you shoot them. Basically, you. To the rest of, all of them, you get out there and you don't turn around. You don't come back because fear is so contagious. We don't want the whole army moving back. Equally, even more importantly, courage is contagious. I'm not a, uh, I wasn't a very good rugby player at school. Played for kind of some of the mid-strength teams. And every match of rugby, I mean my boy, My boys play much better rugby than I used to. But I remember every time going to a match, I'd have this like, I don't really want to go and be hurt feeling. I'm going to call it fear. And then we'd warm up, but when we were warming up on the side of the field, we'd always be looking at the opposite team. And I don't know, those guys just seemed huge every single time. Just men that had been shaving since the age of eight and just tree trunk legs. I don't know. When you're scared, everything looks worse. And you'd, you'd be warming up there and thinking, man, I'm just going to get broken today. It's the morgue or the hospital. It's one of those two. <laughs> but what was so interesting is that there were usually one or two more courageous people in the team. And when one of them made the first courageous tackle, it was like, a, yes, we can do this. I, d- I don't know how that translates into other parts of your world, but in a spiritual and in a leadership sense, when you and I can find our courage in Him and just keep pitching up, doing the next right thing, with the next bit of faith and courage, it's amazing how that becomes the culture, it becomes the contagious atmosphere, I want to say, in the room. I, when I was putting this, these notes together, I was thinking that, the first pastor's meeting, NCMI pastor's meeting here in KZN that I ever was invited to, it was 27 years ago. Was at the Glenridge house down in Glenwood there. And I was on the One Life team as an intern in youth. And they just said, come along. So off I went. And I sat there and saw all these guys doing different things and heard and just went back. And pretty much for 27 years between now and then, were, I, I didn't know that up there then, but for 27 years, these have been meetings that we've come to wherever they've been. I, I don't think any of them have ever cropped up on the calendar in a great week where it just feels like, ah, this is an awesome week to go to a pastor's meeting. There's lots on the... My brain is busy as well, so I'm generating lots of work for myself. And yet, if I reflect back over 27 years, one of the things I most, have most appreciated is that when we've gathered together like this, it's been with other courageous people. I don't remember every word of what's been shared, but I know that I've gone away every single time just with a feeling of fresh faith and fresh courage. It it takes some calendar discipline to circle out the whole morning in my calendar. Well, it used to. Now, for me, it's become, it's so valuable. I, I was just thinking of some people that have been part of this group over the years. But Johan and Debbie find us. It's their 25th year of ministry, leading a church in Underburg. And some of those years have been really tough. And there's been other seasons of amazing life and growth. But when we gather together, Johan and Debbie, it's a long drive to get here from Underburg. They arrive at Cold Hill Crest with T-shirts, because it was minus two when they left this morning. It's a sacrifice. It's, but there's people of strength and courage. The, um, sure, just so many different stories. Roy and Val Smith. I, I jotted your names down on the on my notes, but I see you here again this morning. Just, I, I don't know how many years you guys have either led or been on team, or just, but just, you want to see faith and courage over and over and over again over the course of a lifetime, Roy and Val take any number of people just guys and someone newer but there's just been years of strength and faith and courage and there have been sometimes I've arrived I'm using these meetings as an example but there's been some some meetings I've arrived that I've been like I am grappling with stuff I am doubting myself I'm facing difficult issues I don't know what to go and what to do and because we're together. It's like some wisdom will land in my head or some, strength, some set of encouragement or something. Sure, okay, I can do this. Off we go again. We draw strength and courage from each other. Thank you so much for your strength and courage because directly and indirectly, it's helped me. And hopefully that's the same for all of us. So being surrounded by courageous men and women who are making the first big tackles is contagious. And this is what we need in the work of leading and reforming and fighting battles. The end of Asa's story, sorry, the end of this prophetic word is a very interesting uh, reminder that Azariah gives him. He says, be strong, don't give up, for your work will be rewarded. Basically, Asa, what you're doing is not in vain. And it's quite a sobering end that Asa has to his story. For 35 years, he does this, the good leading, the reforming, and the fighting battles. But in year 36 of his reign, the next chapter records, another army attacks this time from the north. And again, he's facing another major battle. But unlike the previous time he had a battle against the Kushad army, this time, Asa uh, doesn't call on God first. There's a political problem, and so he comes up with a political solution. It seems like a good idea, but it's his idea. And his idea is this. Let me take a whole lot of money that I've got, and let me go and pay the Syrian army to attack these guys, and then they'll stop attacking us. So he does it, and that guy, the Syrian guy, is like, yeah, he'll do that. He beats them up, and they leave him alone. And it seems good, because at the end of it, uh, Asa gets all his people, and they go and collect all the materials from the army that ran away. So it seemed like it worked out well. But on the way back from that, another prophet meets Asa with another prophetic word. But this prophetic word's a little different. He says uh, "He says to him, this prophet's name is Zanani. He says, why have you stopped relying on the Lord your God? When the Cushites attacked all those years back, God gave you victory, Asa. Why? What you've done isn't good, is basically what he tells him." The previous prophetic word was a lot happier. Azariah was a good guy. Hanani, it says Asa was so enraged that he threw the prophet in jail. The dangerous work being a prophet when the kings were doing bad things. uh, Hanani gets chucked in jail. And five years later, Asa is dead. And the last five years of his reign, the the end bit of his legacy is that he just did things his own way. In fact, the Bible records this interesting verse. It says he got a disease in his foot and he didn't consult the Lord. He only consulted the doctors. And I thought, boy, is that a great description of how some of our mindset is. And in in our church, it's like, we get sick, we consult only the doctors. We don't even think about God. We fight, we, we face battles on the ground and we come up with just our best human solutions, not God's suggestion. And for me, the the warning in Asa's story is that he had forgotten the word that you will be rewarded. 35 years worth of work wasn't absolutely wasted, but it was tainted by how he ended. You and I get an opportunity to encourage each other, to get encouraged by God. This challenges me. Asa received that prophetic word from Azariah about 25 years before. And he forgot that his work will be rewarded. I sometimes forget stuff God said to me last week or last month. We've got short memories. And so it's good to remind ourselves the work I'm doing here will be rewarded. In Hebrews chapter 10, such an interesting verse, the writer celebrates people's courage. He says, You didn't mind when your property got confiscated because you knew you had better possessions, heavenly ones. Sometimes we get so earthly focused that we forget on this divine heavenly reward that 's coming our way i 'm inspired not just by this encouragement from this verse, but as I said, from stories around me. A couple of uh, I had this on my heart to do for a little while, but eventually uh, last uh, it was about six weeks ago, had coffee with uh, Ray Oliver. Now, Ray and Moira were leaders of One Life Church. When our family joined the church, I was 14 years old. My mom and dad joined with all of us kids. When I was 18 years old and went to that first pastor meeting, Ray was leading the team then, Ray and Moira. And he took quite a few chances on me. The first chance I ever got to preach a message on a Sunday meeting, Ray was there. And I don't think it was that great a message. My first leadership opportunities in the church came when Ray was leading the team. And and then we uh, were on Grant and Sue's team after that. But of all these, as the years have gone on, we've just kept, kept in contact, kept in touch. We're now in different churches. But I just had it on my heart to thank him for his investment into my life, for just some of the risks that he had taken. A lot of the stuff he had done, it wasn't one-on-one. But because of his faith and courage, our family and me personally had benefited. And uh, so we we were here for a bit and then went next door to a coffee shop and I got quite emotional just thanking him. And like, for me, this was this, just a, it was a special thing. And what was so amazing and so inspiring for me about the conversation is it didn't go from there into, Hey, remember the good old days, right? Ray, I think a 79 years old, Grant. Next birthday, he'll be 80. And where I, I, I say my thing. He appreciates it. He thanks me. And then he says, tell me about the work that you're doing. Some of the apostolic work that you're doing into these areas where he's also been working for many years. Da, da, da. And he's just an hour, hour, hour and a half fly by where he's looking forward to the future. He's asking, he's chatting, he's, he's his boots are still on. Loving the Lord, finishing strong. I don't know how many years that been 50 odd years that Ray's been involved in some kind of, exactly 50 years Ray's been involved in, and I'm not trying to elevate a man, but I'm a lot younger than him. I, I was at school with Ray's son and I've got some examples he would be just one of them some examples of men and women who have done this, been strong not given up, knowing that their work will be rewarded you just to finish off with what I said at the beginning, the work that you and I are doing is not just important, it's critical. And the word of God to us, for whatever season lies ahead, is be strong, do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. Could we stand together? Grant said, okay. Father, this incredible word that Azariah brought to the king back then, we want to take it on board for us as we've heard Donnie speak and teach to the different aspects of spiritual warfare. We want to be people that are strong. Our finding our strength in you, that we don't give up, knowing that our work will be rewarded. We know that some seasons shift and change, But that our service of you, following you wholeheartedly, that we should not get discouraged, we shouldn't give up. Father, this morning I want to pray very especially for those that arrived feeling really discouraged today at this moment in their lives. That they would hear your voice in their ear. Be strong. Do not give up. Keep going. You've got this. Those of us that have fought battles and seen victories, that at the time of victory we'd have the, uh, your voice in our ear be strong and do not give up. For those of us that are facing new armies and new battles, that we'd remind ourselves our work will be rewarded be strong, don't give up, look to you, Lord God. We thank you for including us in your master plan to see the gospel spread across the face of the earth. We ask for your help, for your courage for your heart, for your encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen.